Welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Marshall, and today's episode starts off with a little trip in the Wayback Machine, uh, story time. And let's go back to three years ago. Uh, and it's not, it's not the story that you think. So the story is in February of 2020. So not that thing that's three years ago that you might be thinking of. In February of 2020, I quit my job while I was in grad school so I could go off and start my own thing. And one of the things I started was the show. Um, but at the time, whenever I would have a call with my grad school friends, we'd hop on Zoom. And this again, this is like before the COVID stuff happened. Uh, when we would hop on Zoom, they would see that in my little Brooklyn apartment, there was one entire wall of my living room that was just covered in color-coded post-it notes. And they would tease me that that was like my CSI, FBI investigation, murder mystery wall. Because you couldn't tell from the call what all the post-it notes said. You could just see that like a crazy person, I had post-it notes and some washi tape making lines and it just was my head up on the wall. So what was it you might ask? Well, it was the all the ideas that I was trying to make sense of to make my master's thesis. Now, I wrote that paper over the course of the summer of 2020 on the interactions between upward spirals, we're going to explain that in a second, doing our self-work, and how do we sustain our positive self-development efforts to result in lifestyle transformation? And what came out of all of those post-it notes and a lot of slamming on my keyboard was 120 pages of a very technical paperweight. And I say paperweight because it weighed a lot and it was made of paper. <laughs> but since that time, I've spent the last three years like tinkering and experimenting with clients and with groups on building out a system of how do we create sustainable positive change in their lives or in how these groups work together. And so when I talk about like my work, what is it that I do? This is what I'm referencing. And I haven't talked about it publicly kind of at all, uh, just a little bit in private conference rooms, but this episode is about that work. It's sharing what was it that was on my CSI post-it wall and sharing that all with you because I'm excited to talk about it. I'll be honest, I'm a little bit nervous, uh, but let's get to it. Where do we start? Well, we're gonna talk about embodied well-being. I think we should talk about the fact that you are a body. Now, for most of your life, you've probably said the phrase that you have a body. It's this idea that your mind and your body are separate and your mind is in charge. But if you've listened to the episode called Mind Body Myth, that's on mind body dualism, then you'd already know that life and living isn't really this like top down illusion where our mind creates this idea that it's in charge and you know the body is, is somehow subservient to the mind. Now, if you didn't listen to that episode, here's a real quick redux. The mind is inextricably linked from the body. And here's your real quick evidence. Your serotonin is produced in your gut. Now, movement affects your sensitivity to neurotransmitters and hormones like serotonin. So it, one of the ways to shift the state of your mind could be to go off and move to increase your sensitivity to your serotonin. It's why movement is such an effective intervention for depression. 
Now flip that the other way. The state of your emotional self affects things like your digestion, your blood pressure, your immune, immune system response, your hormones, right? So the idea that your mind is somehow controlling your body is just patently false because the state of the body affects the mind. The state of your emotions affects your physical self. And you can actually think yourself into a negative emotional state, right? So they all influence each other. They're not separate. But, but even if you accept that, even if we start from this premise that you are a body, okay, well, what does having a body have to do with happiness and well-being? In my opinion, everything, absolutely everything. And helping you to come to that viewpoint, I want to start with a quick history lesson. So my master's that I'm talking about, this thesis was written for a master's degree in positive psychology, which is the scientific study of human happiness and well-being. Now, that field of positive psychology was largely founded by cognitive scientists and data analysts. And they wanted to use their gifts to help build a better world, which I deeply appreciate and value. Like, I couldn't do what I do if they didn't do what they did. But their gifts focused on building tools that made sense for those gifts. So that's things like talking and writing and reading and thinking our way to happiness. So the earliest ideas, the earliest tools in positive psychology didn't really recognize this idea that having a body is a factor in how we affect our well-being. Now, fortunately, there were some people along the way that pointed out that maybe your like vitality, your feeling that you had enough energy, enough gas in the tank, should be part of the well-being and happiness equation, that people should physically feel good. And so they started teaching things like, if we move our body, we're more productive. It's easier to focus. We can get stuff done, which is great. No shade. But, but, there's always a but with me. I don't think that's far enough. And if we're going to continue this journey, right, it starts with you have a body, that body deeply affects your experience of happiness and well-being. And I think, given that quick history, it leaves three significant gaps that already exist in the positive psychology space. So gap number one, your relationship with and your experience of your body have a direct impact on your mind and the perception of quality of life, which then affects your subjective well-being and your satisfaction with your life. And those two measures, subjective well-being, satisfaction with your life, they're the two main ways that we measure happiness in the field of positive psychology, right? So you have a body and here's a bunch of evidence, which this whole show is built on this evidence, that the effect on that body affects your happiness and well-being. So that's gap number one. Gap number two is that the current understanding in positive psychology neglects to recognize the link between our physical self-state and our connection with meaning and purpose and fulfillment. Not to mention that we now know a lot of our emotional processing actually happens in the physical connection with ourselves. So just like we're taught to process grief or sadness physically, positive emotions are savored through our embodiment, right? Like you don't savor a delicious strawberry by thinking about what strawberries taste like, you bite into it and then you enjoy it. That's happening in your body. And then we have gap number three, which is highlighting how movement makes us more productive 
I think it's like telling someone to eat chocolate for the magnesium, but completely ignore the taste, right? When we say move because it makes you more productive, move because it makes you more effective at your job, right? That's what we mean by saying productive. We're telling people ignore all of the deliciousness of having a body and the pleasure you can get out of everyday life. No, you're just going to ignore that for its own value and focus only on what does it get me if I use the tools of embodiment. So that's why I now believe that all well-being, all thriving is actually embodied. And building thriving, in my opinion, therefore starts with nurturing, caring for, healing the relationship, appreciating and respecting the body that you're in. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlie Marshall, and today we are talking about embodied well-being, this big idea that I've been carrying around in my noodle and on post-it notes on my wall uh, for a couple of years. So embodied well-being is the recognition first that you are a holistic human being and that whatever you are going to do in your life, it doesn't matter what it is, whether we focus on how great your hugs are, whether it's your mission, your purpose, your meaning, your calling, the, the efforts that you make in your life, in your world, all happen through your body because you have a body and it can either be limited or emboldened by the relationship that you have with and the physical state of your unique body. So the goal of embodied well-being is to work to build a sustainable lifestyle that promotes well-being so that an individual and hopefully groups and communities can flourish and we can actualize on our purpose, our meaning, our callings, our passion, whatever that means to you. So literally, if you've got a mission in your life, it's the recognition that building a lifestyle that supports you fully, your self-care, good sleep, nutritious food, positive emotional experiences, good relationships, you're going to show up that much harder for your purpose, that calling, because you've cared for your body. And it's building a lifestyle to support that with intentionality so that you can do well in life. So if you want a deeper connection with others, we'll have you learn to listen to your emotional self in your body, the signals and feedback coming from your body. Do you want to be more creative? Well, it's a lot easier to get into a flow state when you're not exhausted and when you've moved your body, right? We heard about that from uh, Chris Bertram talking about flow and movement as a flow trigger. You want to feel more, more vitality, have more energy in your life. Well, how's your nutrition? How's your metabolic health? because you might be feeling real sluggish and gross because your metabolic health is off and you're not nourishing your body to thrive. You wanna be more optimistic, more joyful, more passionate, it doesn't matter. It can all be enhanced through how you treat, care for and relate to your holistic self, which means not seeing the mind and body as separate, but part of the whole entity that you are as a person. Hopefully you're with me. I feel like I'm giving you like my big passionate stump speech, but that's because this is, this is my heart. This is my soul. This is what I do. So how does this actually show up in my work? What's my work look like? Well, I want to draw you a map, but it's not like a GPS WhatsApp turn by turn instruction map. I want you to think about it more like the map you get at an amusement park, right? We're going to lay out these options 
and then help you choose to do what works for you, that's more how my work works. So I want to walk you through that process. And just like going to the amusement park, right? Like you come through the gate and there are certain things that everybody sees when they first enter. And then people can go off and do their own thing, right? So it's actually not that different when I start working with a new client or a new group of people is I gather a lot of information about them. But there are three things that I'm listening for kind of as they're coming through the gate. As I'm punching their ticket and they're on board, there's three things I'm listening for. So those three things are have been shown to increase neuroplasticity. That is the brain and nervous system's ability to change and adapt, right? And there's certain uh, behaviors that increase neuroplasticity. We know that positive emotion is one of them, right? They kind of lift us up and we become more neuroflexible. So these three things have also been shown to prime the upward spiral effect, which I told you earlier I would explain. So this is what upward spirals are. They're measurable phenomena in positive psychology where two or more intentional actions create a positive feedback loop in our well-being and satisfaction with life, right? So I'm going to meditate and move. And because I'm more mindful, I feel the movement more intentionality because I'm moving more. I'm more sensitive to positive emotion, right? And they create this positive feedback loop. We call that an upward spiral. And remember, the goal of embodied well-being is to flourish so we can actualize on purpose and meaning and calling and potential, right? So those three things that I'm listening for as I'm punching that ticket, right, as they're coming through the gate, some kind of meditation or mindfulness practice, some kind of like positive emotional priming. So gratitude practice tends to be the one that most people have done. And 20 minutes of moderate intensity cardiovascular exercise or another movement practice most days. So are they moving? Are they practicing gratitude? And are they meditating? Now, if they're doing those things already, we'll build on the quality and consistency while we're starting other opportunity habits, which we're going to get to in a second, right? Those are like the rides in the amusement park. If they're not doing those things at all, we'll come to a consensus of how do we get them doing them, even if it's only for the first few weeks that we work together, because we're trying to prime the pump. We're trying to get the upward spiral effect working and lifting so that we're using the nervous system and the body as a tool to kick off that wellness journey. So we'll start with the upward spiral primers. And then next we're going to turn to, right, those opportunity habits I just talked about. Those are about your foundational needs. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and today we're exploring this concept of embodied well-being. The idea that in order to thrive, to truly fulfill our potential, our purpose, our meaning, our calling, we've got to start in this vehicle we're riding around in. So it's a little funny to me as a positive psychology practitioner that I don't hear very often this next idea overtly spoken in positive psychology circles, right? We'll talk about strengths. We'll talk about relationships. We'll talk about communication styles, but we're not talking about this, which is your foundational needs. You're not going to flourish if you're food insecure, right? You're not going to feel great if you're not making time for consistent sleep and you don't have good sleep hygiene. You're going to have a major detractor to your wellness if you are in chronic pain. I would know I have a chronic pain disorder. 
Um, a few weeks ago here in upstate New York, we had wildfires that were pushing smoke throughout the Northeast. And for those of us who've had breathing problems in the past, we were not flourishing. We were not really living at our true best, right? Because one of the foundational needs is clean air. There's also clean water. And we have needs for safety, stability, and predictability. These are all aspects of foundational human needs. And very often in our culture, in our society, people will say that they want to be successful, but we sometimes think that getting to success in life, we're gonna work through lunch. We're gonna feel awful. We're gonna sleep when we're dead, right? How many of us have had this feeling in our lives that like, if I'm gonna get ahead, I've just gotta push just a little bit harder because that's what success is. But we now know it is compelling in the scientific evidence, and we talk about this science all the time, how flawed that mentality is. That mentality is built on the way that we're taught to deprioritize our own needs to fulfill the roles that we play in our lives. So like the good employee is never late for the meeting, no matter how stressed out they are, no matter how much they need, like just, just two minutes to take a breath. The line worker who never uses the bathroom during their shift is praised. But maybe that means they're not drinking any water so that they don't get, you know, a finger wag because they took a bathroom break. It is the self-sacrificing parent who doesn't ask for help at all because they, we think that it's because they're rock stars, but in actuality, they just think that they don't deserve the help or they don't want to be a burden to someone else or whatever. So their needs go unmet. And there are so many more examples of how we as people deny our needs, but for what? For what? We're taught that that's what we're supposed to do, but actually what it does, it just gets us more miserable. So my work starts with helping people build the lifestyle habits that keep their foundational needs met. And along the way, we're very likely to encounter some mindset challenges. So these are like self-limiting beliefs or being overwhelmed by their emotions. And maybe they've not learned the skills to process and integrate those emotions. So this is where we start to bring up the psychological and emotional skills, right? So we start by building their foundational needs. Maybe that's like all the big attractions and rides that people go to the amusement park for. But then around them is like the little shops and the snacks, the what do we call them? Dippin' Dots. <laughs> um, that's the stuff that comes up on your way to go to like, okay, you're not sleeping, but are you not sleeping because, oh, there's this belief. And then we've got to work through with the skills of change, the psychological, social, and emotional skills. So this is like growing emotional intelligence. So you can process challenging emotions when they come up. What happens when we start working on your food and you're shame triggered? Well, time to learn about how to process emotions. Reframing challenging beliefs. So I teach them about motivation. I teach them about working through resistance because what we're trying to do is get them to that integrated place where they get to completely themselves, not just the mental projection of yourself, but a deep connection with who you actually are. Now, sometimes clients come in and they got these very clear sense of like purpose and mission and calling, and they just need help getting unstuck, right? I'm just trying to like Oh, well, you're really self-neglecting in these very specific ways, course correct, and go. Sometimes they come in and they're languishing in a way that those ideas, that purpose, that mission, that feeling 
It's completely out of reach. But it's not uncommon that as we do this work, we're working at the edge of what's known to be possible, right? The known possibility. And as you start to explore that edge of what you know to be possible for yourself, that edge starts to move. I'll give you a little preview. Next week, I'm going to be interviewing my friend, Dr. Neil Thies on the show. He's an expert in complexity theory. And honestly, I cannot wait to hear his thoughts about this idea right here, the known possible and the way it grows and shifts. And if that kind of idea is really exciting to you, which as a coach, we probably should be like, get on the train because we're going and he's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Darlene Marshall. And today we are exploring the idea of embodied well-being. So often when we talk about bodies in our culture, what we are focusing on is either what's wrong with them or what could go wrong with them. And none of us need to look all that far to find examples, right? In the fitness industry, we're all often talking about aesthetics. Ooh, I need to lose weight. Ooh, I want my abs to be different. Ooh, my arms are jiggly, right? The perfect example is every weight loss ad you've ever been pushed in your life is essentially trying to show you, hey, these are some things that are wrong with you. Buy our products, right? That's how that works. There's also some fear mongering about like getting sick or getting old or getting dysfunctional in some way. And I will spare you all my rant about how ableist that is. But what would it be like if as practitioners, as marketers, as product designers, we were focused on building positive, nurturing, integrated selves that include all of the pleasure, the fulfillment, the, pa the passion, the joy, the cool stuff that we can derive from being embodied. What would that even look like? That's a big chunk of my own mission. It's the systems that I'm trying to create in doing this work to plant those seeds. So along the way, sharing this core idea that all well-being is embodied, that everything you've ever going to do in the world, every bit of fun you'll ever have, the love that you will give to the people in your life, it only gets to happen because you're in a body, right? If your body doesn't exist, that experience doesn't exist. The body can be a resource, right? It's information about your experience of life and living. The body is a tool. You can use it to affect your state of cognition, right? You go off and you do a flow priming activity that uses the body. You're using it as a tool and it can also help you work through challenges. How many times have you had like a really intense emotion and you're just going to go for a walk? That's using the body as a tool and the body's a vehicle, right? It carries you to everything you're ever going to learn or do or try. And it communicates to you everything that you feel and experience. So, you know, in case you can't tell, it's like my love letter to embodiment. I think the body is in itself miraculous, right? We spend so much of our lives looking for miracles outside of ourselves. It's right here. And even living my life in a body that's got a genetic condition that makes it work a bit wonky compared to other people, I have learned so much just by having a weird body. So how can you use this information, right? Because so much of this show, I try to leave you from episodes like this with clear, tangible, actionables about your life and in yourself. So if you're not already respecting your body's foundational needs, start there. And let me break down for you what your body needs. 
just in case you need a reminder. And if you're already nailing it, like give yourself credit on each one of these as we tick through. Your body needs a healthful and functioning metabolism or to consistently take your medication to support that if a healthy functional metabolism isn't possible for you for some reason. And that's okay. We don't have to fear monger around it. We just recognize like, okay, my body works differently and this is what it needs. So either having a healthy functional metabolism or consistently taking your meds. The next thing your body needs is rest. Not just sleep, but good sleep. Not just lying on the couch, but restoration, rest, recovery, a regulated nervous system. Again, go listen to the episode on stress. Um, nourishment. Your body needs food that supports its essential functions. And if I'm being honest, I think this and sleep are the most foundationally misunderstood things my clients come in working on. Eventually we get to stress, that's pretty misunderstood, but these two are, are kind of the big starting points. Next one's movement. You know, nearly every day, some movement that is enjoyable and some movement that is to help move you towards the person you wanna be when you grow up. So maybe you don't particularly like resistance training, but you love being outside. Yes, go for hikes and do the exercises that help you be a more sustainable hiker into your 90s. I said on the show before, I want to dance at weddings when I'm 103. That's one of my goals, which means I got to take care of these hips. I got to take care of these hips and knees. So healthful functioning metabolism, rest, nourishment, movement, safety. This is an essential foundational need. And part of the way that we know it's going unmet is the intensity and the prevalence of anxiety in our society. If you haven't listened to the episode on stress, seriously, go do it. Because our internalized lack of safety is having compelling negative effects on wellness, well-being, our communities, our mental health, and far, far more. Part of our loneliness. So we feel we can't trust people, right? That's a safety thing. And belonging, right? This is where safety and belonging dovetail right here. Are there people in your life who you can be 100% yourself with and they support your growth and continued actualization? Um, I would wager that most people don't consider this in their foundational needs, but it is a foundational human need. We evolved in groups. We need each other. So if you're thinking about how do I start building this embodied well-being pump? Yes, the three things I talked about is priming upward spirals and... What's supporting your healthy functional metabolism? Rest, nourishment, movement, safety, and belonging. And let me put a bow on this with this idea. Embodied well-being is a process. It's my version of the wellness journey. The concepts in themselves right now are not complete. This is just the first time that I'm taking it out of the box and kind of showing all of you these ideas but I'm so excited to take this first pass to get to a place where I get to share my research, my work in a way that I feel like other people can actually use it because now it's not just post-it notes on <laughs> my apartment wall, um, but it's a set of ideas that I wanna share and I wanna hear what you think. And there's one other way that I really wanna hear what you think. I know a number of you have over the years sent me DMs or popped an email in my inbox or a message on LinkedIn or whatever. But what I really want you to do, if this show has impacted you in any positive way, 
if you have learned something that has helped you or someone you love, if it has inspired you, if you've, I know at least one of you has shared it with all of your college students, um, could you please reach out? Could you send me an, an email, info at darlene.coach? Because I'm trying to pull together a collection of the ways in which this show has positively impacted people. So there's lots of other ways that you could give me your feedback. You could find me on Instagram, darlene.coach. I'm on LinkedIn, yada, yada. But just take a second and write me an email, info at darlene.coach. And I would greatly appreciate that. Of course, if you're a fan of the show, I hope that you subscribe. I hope that you share it. I hope that you write us a review, like all of the normal things you do for a podcast you want to promote. But just write me that email, info at darlene.coach, if this show has ever positively impacted your life. I hope you've enjoyed this deep dive exploration into embodied well-being. Clearly, I had a good time. And I look forward to sharing with you next week when we've got Dr. Neil Thies on the show. Thank you so much. Take good care of yourself and be well. Thank you.